Hey there, everybody. Welcome on into a special Locked On NFL Podcast Network crossover event. My name is Mark Schofield. I am the host of Locked On Patriots, and I'm happy to be joined right now by one of the hosts of Locked On Titans. He is Jimmy Morris at J Morris MCM. He is one of the hosts of Locked On Titans and the head blogger over at Music City Miracles. We're going to help try to get everybody ready for this huge game, a divisional round rematch between the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots. Jimmy, sir, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. I'm doing well, and I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk about this game because there are a number of storylines we can get into. Um, I figure we can start maybe with the Patriots on offense, but first, I know Patriots fans are very curious about three names, three names that have been associated with the New England Patriots, Mike Vrabel, Malcolm Butler, Dion Lewis. How have those guys done so far this year? Yeah, so we're all really excited about Mike Vrabel. Um, you know, it, it, he's been a breath of fresh air here. Uh, Mike Malarkey did a good job in changing the culture here, but it was pretty clear last year that he wasn't going to change the way that he ran an offense. And what the, what we saw last year was basically the ceiling uh, under him. So he made the change. Mike Vrabel's come in, fired up the fan base. They, the team has played motivated under him. Uh, they've, they've done a good job of game planning to different things. They had a lot of injuries early in the season. And they won, a, they won a game against the Texans and a game against the Jaguars early on where Marcus Mario didn't play in one of them. Had to come in in the, in the game against the Jaguars because Blaine Gabbert got a concussion early in the game. Marcus couldn't feel two of his fingers. Um, and they just did a good job of game planning and being able to win those games. So everybody's pretty excited about that. Deion Lewis has taken over really in the last couple of weeks as the feature back. Uh, the, you know, we had Deion Lewis, Derrick Henry. Uh, Derrick Henry just has not been very effective as a runner. And so they've gone to, you know, mainly Deion Lewis. He had a big game on Monday night, you know, 120 total yards and a touchdown in that game. So I think you're going to see a lot from him in this game. Um, his numbers aren't great. The offensive line hasn't played very well. If you look at those things that, I guess, is ESPN stats and info uh, tweets out a bunch. Yeah, Deion Lewis, like, leads the league in yards after contact. So, I mean, he's, and he's like, last in the league in yards before contact. So having to create a lot on his own, and he's just a lot better at that than Derrick Henry is. Malcolm Butler's been pretty terrible. I'm um, not going to lie. You know, they, they've had issues with him. Uh, he got beat a couple times on Monday night. His double moves are killing him. He's, he's looking at the quarterback, not looking at his guy. They've talked about that in press conferences. It hasn't changed. They gave him a bunch of money. He's still on the field for now. I, I would assume that the Patriots will, you know, test that early in this game, and, and hopefully he learns his lesson. But, I mean, you, you've seen some stats about him. I mean, he's, he's like per PFF statistically the worst corner in the league so far so that's been a little bit of a struggle but the other two guys we're we're really happy with yeah and let's kind of take a step back now and look more at the the titans defense and and start to get ready for this game looking at this titans defense number one scoring defense in the league how has tennessee been able to sort of establish themselves on the defensive side of the ball yeah, they've done a good job at, you know, kind of that bend but don't break thing. They'll give up some yards, but they've been really, really good in the red zone. I think they're number one in red zone defense. So, I mean, you know, that, that'll that'll get you the number one scoring defense. The, the Really, the only issue they struggle with is giving up big plays. Um, you know, like I said, Malcolm Butler's given up three or four really, really big plays. And then the game in London against the Chargers, uh, the, the only two touchdowns they gave up in that game were both kind of broken coverages, uh, guys getting over the top. So, uh, they've done a good job. They've been solid against the run. Uh, Dean Pease has dialed up a lot of blitzes, so they've been, you know, being able to get good pressure on cornerbacks, force, quarterbacks, forcing them into quick throws, uh, that kind of stuff. They're good in the secondary besides Malcolm Butler. Logan Ryan, a guy you're obviously familiar with. Um, Adoree Jackson in his second year has been really good. Kevin Byard, uh, you know, was a guy that was an all-pro safety last year. 
continues to get better in his third year. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro has come in. You know, they were lucky enough that he was still available uh, when Jonathan Cyprian went down in training camp with an ACL. Uh, they brought Vaccaro in. He's been good. So, really, I mean, the, the back end has played really well. Uh, the the front has been good. Uh, so, I'm really, I mean, it's just kind of been a hole for them. They don't have any, like, superstars in the defense, I'd say, besides Bayard and, and Jarrell Casey up front. But they've just played solid. And like I said, they just, they're really good. They tighten up in the red zone. And, you know, it's been just kind of that thing where they'll give up some yardage, but, you know, keeping teams out of the end zone for the most part. And that, that's kind of been the, the recipe for their success. You know, Jimmy, in trying to get ready for this game, I took a look back at some of my notes on this team from last year from the division around game. And I was noticing that at least last year, the Titans seemed to be primarily a cover one, cover three team. Is, has that sort of continued into this year or are you seeing some different coverage looks from this secondary? No, they've mixed it up more this year. You know, different defensive coordinator, um, and so they've they 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 played a lot of cover one. I um, mean, I think that's been what they've been in for the most part. Um, but it's been, I guess, primarily more that they're more doing more of that than they did last year. Um, and so they've had success with it now. I mean, you know, we obviously have some concerns. Uh, you, you know, with with this Patriots offense coming in. Um, you know, and saw what they were able to do to this team last year. The personnel's not all that much different, so there's obviously uh, some concerns there. But yeah, they've they've kind of been. And Brable came in, uh, you know, basically, and, and he said we want to be multiple on defense, we want to be multiple front, multiple coverages, that kind of stuff. Kind of confused teams, and so I think they've done a pretty good job of that. But they do have the athletes uh, on the back that they can they can play a lot of man coverage. You know, Jimmy, traditionally, blitzing Tom Brady has been a recipe for disaster for defenses. You know, over the years, Brady seems to put up great numbers against the blitz. You go back a couple of years and, you know, you're looking at, you know, quarterback ratings in the 110s or so. But this year, he's actually one of the worst quarterbacks against the blitz. Looking at NFL matchup on ESPN, they just put out a tweet today. You know, his quarterback rating against the blitz is just 63.3. That's Joe Flacco territory, believe it or not. <laughs> and given what you said about P's down up pressure do you think that's something Tennessee's going to try to do this week yeah you know that's that I mean that's probably the most interesting thing that, that I'm, I'm, I want to see on Sunday because I, I saw that too today I mean times like top five in the league as far as you know percentage of, of times they blitz and then the Patriots think are number one like teams have blitzed against them less than anybody else in the league so like you said I mean traditionally you want to play coverage and, and do that kind of stuff um, you know I don't know maybe if they've seen something they think they can do uh, I mean, I think the main reason that the Titans have done it so much is because they haven't really been able to get a whole lot of pressure just with, with the with the normal rush. Um, you know, they've got D- Derek Morgan's hurt. Uh, Brian Arakpo is just, I mean, he's still a he's still a solid player, but he's not the dynamic player that he was earlier in his career. They got Harold Landry, who's who's done a good job. Jarrell Casey's a good pass rusher, but their their pass rushers up front are, are not that good. So they they've had to do a little bit more of that. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, if, if if what he's done through the first eight weeks of the season is any, any indication, then I, th- I think they'll be pretty aggressive in this game. You know, a big question going into every sort of game f- for the Patriots and when you're looking at the other side of the ball is who's going to draw that Gronkowski matchup? Now, whether he goes is a question mark, which we'll find out later in this week, I guess. We still don't know if he's going to go. But if he does, is that sort of the, you know, you're going to take Bayard and you're going to put him on him? Is that for Kenny Vaccaro? Who do you think draws that Gronkowski assignment should he go on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, you would think it would be Bayard. Bayard struggled against him a little bit last year in that playoff game. Um, but, I mean, that makes the most sense. You know, maybe they try Kenny Vaccaro, like I said, because Bayard did struggle last year. 
But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really know if they have another option. I don't, I don't think you're going to take one of your corners. I know some teams do that sometimes and stick them on Gronkowski. I don't. I don't think that the Titans will do that. So I, I think it'll be one of the safeties. Um, and that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you've got those guys, Sony Michelle, Rob Gronkowski, all that. Do you, what do you think the chances are that they suit up? I mean, I, I would imagine the one that would probably go would be Gronkowski. I think Michelle now with, with the knee injury that he's had, you know, I, I'm, they seem to be sort of taking him along slowly. You know, I, I think with Gronkowski, it's been, you know, a back and an ankle. He's been dealing with the, the ankle for a while now. Um, but the back sort of emerged during practice. Um, so that was kind of a strange issue that popped up out of nowhere. And we're told that it's unrelated to the, the multiple back surgeries that he had. That it's more of a back spasm type thing. Now, the Patriots did release an injury report today. Gronkowski was at least on the field for a portion of practice. Um, he's still listed as limited participation in practice as well as Sony Michelle. But, you know, we all know that the Patriots tend to be a little cagey with, you know, injury stuff. So limited participation, that doesn't really tell us much. So uh, I, I would consider them both to be sort of game time decisions. Um, you know, some people say Michelle is going to be expected to play. Others are more hesitant about it. Gronkowski sort of considered week to week, depending on who you talk to. But their status, I still think, is kind of going to be up in the air. Yeah, and so I guess you know they've moved uh, Cordell Patterson, a guy that you know most fans around here are very familiar with. He played you know his college at Tennessee, so I guess he's been playing primarily running back. How's that worked out? You know, Jimmy, it's been an interesting little move, and what's been fun to watch about that is, you know, you look back at his time in Minnesota, you look back at his time at Oakland, and there were fans of both of those teams who were clamoring for him to get more snaps at running back than, say, wide receiver, because it seems like he might more be naturally suited to play that position. His running style is very unorthodox as a running back. It's very upright. The pad level is high. If we were sort of scouting him, you know, coming out of college, you wouldn't say this was a guy that was going to make the transition, but he's a very strong, tough runner, finishes a lot of runs moving forward, um, gets some, some decent yardage after contact. He's able to run through, you know, arm tackles and things like that. So it's been an interesting transition, but you know, it's sort of that typical Patriots fashion, Jimmy, where next man up, do your job type philosophy. And so if Michelle can't go, I'd imagine that they're going to see him, you know, you're going to see him make some James White and Patterson again running the football. Yeah. Uh, what about Josh Gordon? I mean, obviously, you know, an intriguing guy. Everybody knows the the, the history off the field, but when he's been on the field, he's, he's an unbelievable player. How has he settled into this offense? It seems like he's picked up this offense better than other sort of newly acquired receivers picked up this offense. Now, part of that is probably due to his talent level where, you know, you could still do some things with him, even if he doesn't have the full playbook at his disposal to make him an effective part of, of your offense. But, you know, when you look back at that game last week, you know, against the Packers, there were some adjustments and route conversions that he was making that made it seem like he had been in this playbook for years. Some reads that he was making some, you know, times where he would sit down in the right areas of the zone. And so the on-the-field stuff has seemed to transfer really well. Obviously, you still have your fingers crossed for the off-the-field stuff. We saw a couple weeks ago there was a report that he might not start the game because he would have been late. Apparently, that was either a false report or mix of signals or something. Uh, but you still sort of have your fingers crossed that, you know, if the off the field stuff works out, it seems like he's really sort of ingrained himself into this offense. And more importantly, I think he's earned himself into that, that Tom Brady circle of trust. You look at some third down throws, some fourth down throws. It seems to be like, you know, usually that would be Gronk time or Edelman time. But Tom Brady seems to be looking in his direction. That tells you how much Tom Brady trusts him already. 
Yeah, and the last thing I had on the offense, you know, Edelman obviously missed the beginning of the year, um, and it seems like the – I mean, just what kind of watching from the outside, the offense has been a, more efficient since he's been back. What, what difference does, does it make having him on the field? Well, there was sort of a trickle-down effect, I'd say, to the offense at the first start of the year, and then when you get Edelman back and you get Gordon into the mix. Because when you're going without Gordon, you're going without Julian Edelman, who for, for years has been sort of the straw that stirs the drink that is the Patriots passing game. You know, when you're going without those guys, you're asking guys like Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett to run those sort of option routes, those juke routes over the middle where quarterback and receiver have to be on the same page, read the coverage the same way, read the leverage in the secondary the same way, and make the right decision and the same decision to execute the play. That's an unfamiliar role for both Dorsett and Hogan. They weren't used to running it. And so a lot of plays that incorporated that route in the scheme, they weren't hidden on. But now you get Edelman back. And so there's that sort of relationship between him and Brady. And the other trickle-down effect is, you know, Chris Hogan's a great wide receiver against, you know, your your third corner. You know, but when he's drawn corner one, he's drawn CB2, you know, that's a tough situation for him to win those one-on-one matchups. And so it, it had that sort of effect on the offense where nobody was getting open now, where Hogan's going up against other corners. Edelman's still got the ability to get open against, you know, DB1, DB2 type, same for Josh Gordon. It's had that sort of effect on the offense. Mark Schofield, Jimmy Morris, we're doing a little... So you're learning something from what we're talking about here today to get you ready for that game Sunday. And if you are, you got to remember our great friends over at MyBookie. Trust me, guys and girls, they are your best bet this season. They have been in business for years. They have great reviews online. And their mobile site is so user-friendly. Now, we would only recommend a service to our listeners that's been good to us. And that's why we're urging you to get over to MyBookie because you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting over-unders on fantasy points score to the most rewarding player perks in the business. Now, my bookie, they're slammed with new betters thanks to all you great listeners to the Locked On Podcast Network, but they still want to give everybody the best service possible. If you can wait until after 7 p.m. Eastern, they will give you an additional $25 free on deposits over $100. So join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar, 100% up to $1,000. you got to use promo code Locked On to activate that offer. But if you can wait if you can hold out till after PM, you can get an extra $25 free by using promo code LOCKEDON25. It's up to you guys and girls, but I'd wait until after dinner and take the extra money. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Mark Schofield, Jimmy Morris back here doing some locked over Patriots, locked on Patriots, locked on Titans crossover. Gonna shift gears now to when the Titans are offense. And Jimmy, I think. You know, when you bring up the Titans offense, the first name on everybody's mind is obviously Marcus Mariota, a quarterback that I really loved coming out of college. A lot of people were high on him. And it seemed at least watching that game Monday night against Dallas, I just broke that game down today to get ready for this week. That might have been the best I've seen him play in a while. Is that sort of the feeling around the Tennessee Titans right now? that This is the Marcus Mariota we were hoping to see? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, listen, I have a reputation as a Mark, Marcus Mariota apologist um, because well, that's I, I why just, we're friends there. There you go. Yeah. So uh, I, I just think that you can't you can't just look at the stats. And I think that's what a lot of people do. Um, you know, we we as Titans fans have a little bit of a, you know, a little man syndrome complex here because it's small market and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but listen, so Marcus Mariota, you know, has been in the league for four years now. Um, he's had really I mean, really four different offensive coordinators. Um, he's had three different head coaches. Uh, it's just been it's been a constant just change around him. Um, and so now we're finally at a place where you have Matt LaFleur as the offensive coordinator and a guy that's going to come in and is going to 
you know, move the offense to Mark Mariota's strengths. Terry Rubisky and Mike Malarkey last year, they were going to run what they were going to run, and, you know, they were going to, Marcus was going to fit into that. And that's just not, you know, that's just not a smart way to play the game anymore. Um, and so, so we were all really excited about a Matt LaFleur offense, a guy that's, you know, been under Sean McVay, been under the Shanahan's, you know, comes from that, that kind of tree. And then, you know, they, they, they haven't been good to start out the season. Now, again, if you just look at the numbers, it hasn't been good. But Marcus, in the game against Miami, in the, the week one game, got hit in the elbow and got a nerve issue. And, like I said, basically couldn't feel the last two fingers on his hand, on his right hand, on his throwing hand. So they held him out in week two against the Texans. Like I said, week three, they were planning on holding him out again. Blaine Garrett got a concussion. They had to go to him. And so for ever since that game, all the way through the London game two weeks ago, he was wearing this, like, half glove type thing where he, he just had the glove on that those that second or the, the, the last two fingers on his hand. Okay. So his ring finger is pinky. And he had basically said, you know, he would wear that as long as he couldn't feel those fingers. And then he came out Monday night without it on. So we're under the assumption now that he's fully healthy. So you can imagine how hard it would be to throw a football with, without being able to feel those two fingers, especially against an NFL defense. Right. right. But you know, people that don't know that they just see the numbers. They haven't been good. And the offense has struggled at times. He's missed throws. They've had drops. I mean, there's been a lot of different things going on. I really think that what you saw Monday night is what he can be. I think that that's the guy that we're going to see for the rest of the year. Now, again, assuming he's healthy, and that's been the biggest thing with him throughout his career, he's had the injuries that have, you know, he hasn't been able to play a full season, all that kind of stuff that, that has, has slowed his progress. But I think now that he's finally got an offense that's, that's suited to his strengths, and if he can if he can stay healthy and on the field, I think that's the guy you're going to see. I still am confident that he is a franchise level quarterback, but we are getting to the point now. I mean, it's year four where we need to see that consistency before he can really be in that conversation. Next question I got, Jimmy, is actually from one of our listeners through the Locked On Patriots Slack channel, Huzifa Patel, who asks, "Who are the most influential weapons in the pass offense?" I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'd imagine Corey Davis is first. Who is next, and what routes and situations do they typically get used on? Yeah, so that's been the issue, right? I mean, at the beginning of the year, you had Delaney Walker, you had uh, Corey Davis, your number one receiver, Rashard Max is your number two receiver, and they were going to kind of figure it out behind those guys breaks his ankle uh, in week one. He's out for the year. Rashard Matthews decides that he doesn't want to play here anymore, and they release him. So now you're down to Corey Davis as your number one, Taewon Taylor as your number two, Tajay Sharp as your number three. And I'm sure people that are listening to it from the Lockdown Patriots side are like, who the heck are those people? Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of been the issue, right? And then you've got Jonu Smith as a tight end who they had high hopes for, but the development's been kind of slow. So basically, he's been, I mean, I, again, Mark Smart is the apologist coming out here. He's been playing with, I mean, the weakest supporting cast in the league, or at least it's in the conversation. I know there are a few other teams that, that have a lot of issues. Um, so, you know, right now, Taewon Taylor had been running at number two with Corey Davis being number one, but Taewon Taylor hurt his ankle in the game Monday night. I doubt he plays. Tajay Sharp then probably moves into that number two role. Um, he's a guy that was a fifth-round pick two years ago, uh, or three years ago, I guess. Played his rookie year and then missed his entire second year. Um, he's a good route runner, generally has pretty good hands, not a burner, a fifth-round pick, I mean, a good player, but nothing that you know keeps defensive coordinators up at night. And then you've got behind him, you've got Darius Jennings and Cameron Batson, uh, undrafted guys that they brought in that have been productive at times but have also had big drops. So that's the, the, the weapons are the issue here. 
And so, like I said, I, I don't think Taewon Taylor is going to be able to go in this game. So I think you're looking at Tajay Sharp running number two. Um, you know, I, I think that you're going to have they're going to have to use Deion Lewis a little bit more in the slot in this game, uh, just because they're just so thin at that position. We were all dying for them to make a move at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, prices got high and all that stuff. So I mean, it, it's understandable why they why they didn't end up doing that. Uh, but the weapons have been a big issue for this team. You know, you, you Jimmy, you mentioned the offensive line not playing well. What have sort of been some of the issues on the offensive line? Because I remember, you know, back in this divisional game, the Patriots, they got back-to-back sacks at one point in the second half against that left side. Now, I know Quentin Spann was banged up in that game, had a back injury, I believe. But what have been the issues on the offensive line so far? Yeah, I mean, the interior guys have been the issue. Uh, you know, Josh Klein, they gave a bunch of money to another guy that's from the Patriots. Um, he's He's been okay. Uh, he had a really bad game against the Ravens, and they gave him 11 sacks to the Ravens. It was that game was just a disaster all the way around. Yeah. Um, the center Ben Jones has just—he's just, just kind of in the in the twilight of his career. Uh, he's still okay sometimes, but against you know really good interior pass rushers, he just can't hold up against those guys. Spain's been better. Um, you know, Jack Conklin tore the ACL in that divisional game last year. Uh, he came back, I guess, three or four weeks ago. Has, has been okay. Now, he's in the concussion protocol this week. I, I kind of doubt he plays. Again, you know, that's just kind of a day-by-day thing, see how it goes. Didn't practice today, um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Dennis Kelly out there at right tackle. He, he's serviceable. He's okay. Uh, Taylor Lewan at left tackle is really good. So, it really, it's just been they, – they've been – the offensive line has been in flux. I mean, like I said, Conklin was out for the first month. Uh, Taylor Lewan missed the game. He got a concussion in week one. Uh, Klein's missed the game. Spain's missed the game. So I mean, they, they've just said they've had some of those kind of issues. But they really need a little bit of help, and the, they need to upgrade at center and, and maybe at one of the guard positions. Um, they, they're just kind of not talented enough right now. Um, but having all five guys on the field would be nice. But it's really been I think there's been two games out of the eight they played so far that all five guys have started and ended the game. So it's just you know kind of one of those things. You know, you mentioned Jimmy Dion Lewis sort of taking over as the featured back. And one of the things I loved last year about Lewis was, you know, he, you look at him from a sort of a stature standpoint, from an athletic profile standpoint, you think, oh, scat back type, got to run him to the edges. But his ability to run between the tackles, I thought, was something he didn't get enough credit for. Is that something that you guys have seen from him this year? Absolutely. And, you know, you, you look at those two guys. I mean, you probably saw the picture that they tweeted out during training camp of Dion Lewis and Derek Henry standing next to each other. And, you know, Derrick Henry makes Deion Lewis look like a little kid. But if you if you got third and one, fourth and one, you need to get the ball to Deion Lewis. I mean, like you said, he, he's, he runs really well between the tackles. Derrick Henry doesn't. He doesn't run with the, at the same, like, size, power, profile that you would think he, that he would. Um, so he's they've used Deion Lewis a lot more in short yards than, than they have Derrick Henry, and, and he's just been a lot more effective. So, like I said, I, I think that combination of, of Henry just kind of running – he just he takes a long time to get up to speed. Now, if he can get on the edge and he can get in the open field, he can run away from people. I mean, he's he's weird that way, and that he does have that really that top end speed, but he's not as good, you know, it, when he's got to be in traffic and, and make cuts and that kind of stuff. And like you said, I mean, that's where Deion Lewis is so good. So I think that's the reason that you've seen the big shift there. You know, Jimmy, looking ahead to Sunday, what are some of the, the areas of the Patriots' defense from what you've seen that you think might give this Titans offense some trouble? And what are some areas where you think this Titans offense is going to be able to make some plays against this defense? Well, I mean, I think they'll try to take advantage of Deion Lewis on, on the Patriots' linebackers. Um, I mean, I, I think that that's kind of been a thing that I, I think some teams have been able to do. So, I mean, I do. They, they finally got the screen game going. 
on Monday night. That's been a thing that the Titans have been here for 20 years and they've never been able to run a screen pass. And then we saw they, they did so much of it in the preseason. We were all really excited. And for whatever reason, it just hadn't hadn't worked out so far this year. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, I think that's what they'll try to do. They'll try to get the ball to Deion Lewis in space and let him make some plays. You know, anytime the, – the thing that concerns me is anytime – if you can get a good interior pass rush and, and you can tell me how good they are, thing that this, this offensive line struggles with, and that's the thing that Marcus kind of struggles with as well. If he can step up in the pocket, he has the ability – I mean, he's good at keeping his eyes downfield, good at stepping up in the pocket, good at finding running lanes if he does that. But if you get the pressure on him from the middle, sometimes he – you know, I, I think he, he drops his head. Sometimes at that point, it is, it, he can't find it, the running lanes, you know, or, or the, the escaping outside of the pocket. And then, I mean, in that in that Ravens game, at the end of the game, he was seeing ghosts. I mean, he was he was dropping out of the pocket real early. But I mean, it's hard to blame after you've been sacked, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven times. I mean, we'd all be scared back there. So um, that that's the thing that I think they've struggled with the most is when a team can get a good interior push. Um, that that's been the thing that's given them a lot of trouble. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, it's certainly been an a long time bone of contention with Patriots fans, you know, the, the, the pass rush or lack thereof from New England. I think in recent weeks, we've seen them get a little bit more of a pass rush. I think they did a better job on Sunday night against the Packers. You know, you see some of the clips of Belichick on the sideline from being mic'd up, seemingly pleased with the pass rush. And I think what they've been able to do in the recent weeks is they've used Adrian Claiborne less. His snap count, you know, from three weeks ago was 33 snaps. In the past two weeks, it's been 16 and 17. So they're picking their spots with him. They've kicked Trey Flowers inside a lot. They were able to get some interior pressure using him that way. So I think if interior pressure is going to be the goal, you're probably going to see a little bit more of that this week. So I mean, the Patriots looks like they've given up quite a few points. What what has been the issue that they've had with teams being able to to score on them? Yeah, I mean, I think similar to what you said with the big plays. Obviously, look, you have that game against Kansas City. That's an offense that's going to yeah. get big plays. I mean, they did a good job in the first half. They held them to some field goals. But, you know, in the second half, they were able to hit on some huge plays. And I think that was, you know, obviously something that, you know, allowed them to get into the end zone. You know, going into the first half, looking back at the first half of the season or so, something that has plagued this team dating back to last year, was sort of those crossing routes, those shallow crossers, those intermediate crossers, particularly when they were running man coverage. And it was almost like, you know, they couldn't get pressure, so they had to blitz. You blitz, you play man coverage behind it. Teams were hitting on some of those crossing routes. It was enabling them to get some big plays, extend some drives. Patriots couldn't get off the field on those third down situations. In the most recent weeks, they've been doing a better job of it. And I think what we're starting to see, Jimmy, is – you know, that typical Patriots formula where they start slow on the defensive side of the ball, they're trying to figure things out, and then they start playing better and better as the season goes on. They'll still give up yards. They're that bend-but-don't-break type defense, but we're seeing more and more of them, you know, holding teams to three. And I think that first half against Kansas City is kind of what you're expecting to see from this Patriots defense overall, them keeping teams out of the end zone, holding you to three, and trying to basically say, look, Field goals usually don't beat Tom Brady. Yeah, and I mean, I would assume that, you know, this has been the thing that we always point to the Patriots about is they're so good at identifying the other team's weakness and attacking that. Um, and the, the Titans finally have a coaching staff here. Like I said, they wanted to establish the run, and they were going to establish the run. If it was the best run defense in the league or the worst run defense in the league, they didn't care. 
Um, you, you've, you've seen this coaching staff has been able to adapt and try to attack whatever the weakness of the of the defense is. So what, what do you think? I mean, if you're if you're game planning against this Patriots defense, where are you trying to attack them? Yeah, I mean, if I'm going after this Patriots defense, I think it's kind of what you identified already, Jimmy. It's going up against those linebackers, trying to get, you know, if a landed Roberts is on the field, number 52, you want to get him isolated in man coverage situations, whether it's with Deion Lewis or somebody else. If, you know, he's not on the field, but it's Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, you know, those are guys that I think you want to get isolated in those sort of one-on-one situations. Now, that being said, the Patriots have done a lot with sort of diamond dollar packages. We've seen a lot of 3 two, 6 You know, we've seen a lot of sometimes they'll even go, you know, 2 three, six, where they have more defensive backs on the field than anything else. And I think, you know, they're trying to do that because they look at the athletes they have in the secondary and they're trying to get them, you know, into better matchups against some of the weapons that other teams have on the offensive side of the ball. But I think if you're Matt LaFleur, and this is something I'm really interested to see, try to use tempo. If you get that sort of base personnel package from the defense from New England and you see Landon Roberts on the field, maybe you go tempo, try to keep him on the field and try to isolate him in man coverage because I think he's one of those guys that if he's on the field, if you can get him isolated in those man coverage situations, you're going to have some success. And then the last thing for me on this on this side is, you know, obviously the thing that Bill Belichick is, is so good at doing is identifying the other teams, you know, their best player and doing a, a good job of taking him away. Do you, you got any ideas? I don't know how much you've watched the Titans, but who they would try to take away from this on this offense? You know, watching this Titans offense, you know, going back, looking at that game against Dallas, I think there are two things that you want to do. You know, you want to keep Marcus Mariota in the pocket. Now, I was very impressed with Mariota from the pocket in that game. I thought there were times when he was blitzed, where he did such a fantastic job stepping up in the face of the blitz or getting the ball out quickly, not letting it phase him. But I think he's we all know he's extremely dangerous when he gets sort of outside the pocket and he's able to sort of create with his arm or with his legs either way in those scramble those situations. So I think they're going to want to contain him. And I think Dion Lewis is going to be an area of focus for the Patriots, you know, as well as the tight end spot, you know, Bill Belichick always considers, you know, a versatile type tight end as the most dangerous thing to worry about in the passing game. And so, you know, June Smith, I think, is going to get some attention this week. Um, I liked him coming out. Uh, I think that Belichick is probably going to rotate some coverage his way, or maybe it's just a Patrick Chun one-on-one type situation. But I think those are the areas that Bill Belichick is going to focus on. Yeah, and just to that, you know, Janu has been a little bit of a disappointment. You know, when they drafted him, he he just he profiled so closely to what Delaney Walker right. is or was or whatever. You know, and, and we all just kind of assumed that that was the role that he would eventually take on. Now, I mean, I think that's still the plan. I think it got rushed a little bit. They weren't planning on it being you know week two of this year, um, but that's kind of how it, what it had to be with. Um, uh, with, with Delaney going down, but if you saw, you know, you saw the the little uh, the option pass that they threw to him on the yep. goal line yep. in that game against the Cowboys. I mean, you see his athleticism; it's there. Um, and, and there was another play where he was running wide open, but Marcus got blitzed and you know kind of went to the hot guy instead of being able to stand in and see that. And Marcus after the game, you know, basically I owe him one. So I mean, th- he's done some good things in the last couple of weeks. He's been coming on a little bit. So yeah, that's the thing that I hope that, that they need him to emerge. Because they they are they're just seriously they're lacking in the weapons department. 
Mark Schofield, Jimmy Morris doing some locked over t- locked on Titans, locked on Patriots crossover action. Up a little bit later, we're going to go sort of big picture stuff on this week. And also, a great reminder here, since I have Jimmy with me, to remind everybody about the great new expanded Locked On College Network. And Jimmy is the host of Locked On Alabama, so you definitely want to check out the great work going on across all the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network. Mark Schofield, Jimmy Morris, back with you now to sort of close out this crossover installment of Locked On Patriots and Locked On Titans. And Jimmy, let's sort of go a big picture. I wanted to ask you, obviously, you know, Houston, they've gotten off to 6-3 and three now after their slow start. Tennessee at 4-4. Four and four. What's sort of your big picture thought on the Tennessee Titans right now? Do you see them sort of getting back into a divisional title race here? Or do you think this is more a wild card team? What's your big picture thought on the Titans? Yeah, I mean, I think if they're going to get in the playoffs this year, it's going to have to be the division. I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, they, they got it at 9-7 last year. It's a long season that could, I mean, I guess that could kind of play out as well. The, the, this year, the Texans have been really good. I mean, they think they've won like six in a row um, since the Titans beat them in, in, I guess that was week three. So they, they've been on fire. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I think they're playing above their heads a little bit. But they're a good team. They, they've obviously got a lot of good things going on down there. So, yeah, I mean, I think they can still win this division. Uh, you know, the, the frustrating thing is you're, there's a couple of games now you're going to look back on. I mean, they they had chances in, in that Miami game. It was a mm-hmm. weird game in week one. It was like a seven-and-a-half-hour game with all the weather delays and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's a game that I think they feel like they should have won. They should have won in Buffalo. Nick Williams dropped a wide-open touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. Buffalo's offense hadn't been able to do anything. I, I mean, I really think if he catches the ball – he goes in, he scores. You know, you're talking about a, a five and three st- team instead of a four and four team. I mean, just one game. But I think in this division, that would be a, a huge deal because they do have a win over the Texans. So, um, I mean, I, I still think they can they can compete to win the division after this Patriots game. The schedule does uh, it get, it, get, it lightens up for them a little bit. So they they've kind of played the toughest part of their schedule after this week that they're going to see. So they they've been able to tread water to this point. You know, new coaches, new offense, new coordinator, all that kind of stuff. Um, won a couple of games they probably shouldn't have and then lost definitely one or two games that they shouldn't have. So, I mean, kind of all in all, it's even uh, and in a, in a pretty good position as far with everything that they've gone through considering uh, to, to still make a run at the division. And, and now looking ahead to Sunday, I mean, I don't know if you've got a prediction ready or you want to make one here on the spot, but what do you think happens in this game between these two teams? Well, and yeah, I, I mean, this, this game terrifies me. I, I just, I, I don't know how much is different from what we saw in January. That, that's the thing that scares me. Um, and I mean, honestly, you know, when you look back at that game, I think Danny Amendola had 11 catches for 100 and something yards, a couple touchdowns, something like that. And you know, now you've got Julian Edelman who you didn't have in that game. You got Josh Gordon who you didn't have in that game. Uh, you, you know, so I mean, it seems like the. And you, you can tell me if you think the Patriots' offense is is better this year than it was last year so I mean, that's my fear is that the titans are not going to have very many answers for this offense uh when they're on defense so then the question becomes can the titans offense score enough to keep up and, and you know keep them in the game if they play like they did on monday night i think they've got a chance if they play like they did i mean they went something like seven eight nine i can't remember exactly what it was offensive or uh quarters without scoring an offensive touchdown uh from buffalo uh, through the Ravens game and into the the Chargers game, they didn't score until the second half of that London game. They didn't score touchdowns until the second half. So I mean, that's that's obviously the area of concern. Is you know we've seen if you go back and watch the Eagles game, the Titans beat the Eagles in overtime, uh, huge win there. Offense looked great, and then just went to a hole for like three or four weeks. So we've seen them come up before, but then they've dropped back off. 
if they can build on the performance Monday night, I think we can see a game that, that has a lot of scoring and, and, you know, maybe the Titans can hang in. But if the offense can't score, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of a lot of high hopes for that. So what, how, how do you compare this offense that you're seeing right now to the offense that we saw in January? Yeah, it's, it's a different offense than we saw in January. I think they're trying to get a little bit more balance, or at least that's kind of what the goal was this year, is to get a little bit more balance. You know, the addition of Sony Michelle was designed to get the one game involved more. You know, we're seeing this New England Patriots team. You know, they use 21 personnel, two running backs, um, one foot, one tight end, two wide receivers. They use it 26% of the time. That's second most in the league. Only the 49ers use it more. Uh, but they're pretty balanced out of that. They'll throw the ball 42% of the time out of that package. You know, they'll run it 59% of the time out of that package. And, you know, they're trying to get that balance. You know, with Michelle being out, with Gronk being out, the offense has a little bit of a different flavor. They've had to rely on, like we talked about, guys like Patterson out of the running back spot, guys like, you know, James White out of the backfield. And so, I'm not sure that if Michelle and Gronkowski are out, I'm not sure this offense is as good as the one we saw last year in this game when these two teams met. Um, but it it could be um, in the sense that if you get you know another week with Gordon, um, you've obviously got some talent there. And so a lot of it depends on who ends up going. But you know, as far as sort of a prediction, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to go down with a complete number. So I, I do think this game is going to be a little bit closer. I know Vegas, I, I've seen six and a half. You know, that's kind of a big number for, you know, a road favorite here. I, I think that the Titans, they're going to put some points on the board. I think that offense seems to be rounded into form. You know, my gut tells me New England wins, but I think it's going to be closer um, than Vegas would suspect, at least right now. But, Jimmy, before we go, as I did mention, you are the host of Locked on Bama, so I do have to ask, being a guy that loves the quarterback position, just how high is the ceiling for Tua? Oh, my gosh. He's so much fun to watch. Like, and, you know, like I said, the, the Titans went through a, a month of just zero offense. So it was so much fun that at least on Saturdays I got to, I got to watch offense. Uh, Tua is just the, the stuff that he does. And, and you go back to the throw to, to win the National Championship right. last year. Um, I mean, w- listen, we've seen plenty of NFL quarterbacks that can't look that safety off like he did, stab his head back around and, and throw that ball. I mean, it was just, it's unbelievable to see a guy who hadn't started a game at that point uh, coming and do that. He's special because he he understands the offense so well. Um, I, I saw a quote, and I can't remember who it was from, but it was I can't and I can't remember which team it was. Basically, said they they dialed up a blitz that they had picked up from an NFL team that, as far as they could tell, too, had never seen before. And he picked, you know, he recognized it, and, and they got a touchdown out of it. Now, Grant, he's got a lot of great weapons. Those receivers are unbelievable. I mean, he's got a lot of talented receivers down there. But it, it's just the the way that he recognizes the defense, how quickly he can get the ball out of his hands. I mean, his release is it's just unbelievably fast. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, so glad that they've got at least one more year with him. Um, but yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be special at every level. I mean, you know, he's a little small, obviously, but I mean, he makes up for it with just his ability to understand the position. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of a lot of NFL teams that would they're dying, would be dying to get their hands on him just because he he understands what's going on on the field at at such a high level that you just don't see out of that many young players in college. So there you go. If you want to hear more about Tua and the rest of the Alabama Crimson Time, you got to be following Jimmy on Twitter. He's at MCM, the host of Locked on Titans and Locked on Bama. Jimmy, last chance. Plug some great stuff for all the listeners that you're, that you're doing for the listeners here at Locked on Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll have a lot of good previews uh, coming up. Uh, we got a guy named Mike Herndon that writes, that does the film reviews for us. 
uh, he, so he'll be breaking down the, the Cowboys game over the next couple of days. So check those out if you want to understand, you know, what the Titans offense is trying to do, what the Titans defense is trying to do. Uh, so he does that at MuseumMiracles.com. A lot of good stuff. Check it out there. And, and Terry and I will have another Locked On Titans uh, episode probably tomorrow where we break down the game, you know, from the Titans side. Uh, so just trying to do everything we can get ready for this game. Fantastic stuff, Jimmy. Please check out Music City Miracles and all the work they're doing. I'm Mark Schofield. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work inside the pylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, The Score, Matt Wadlin's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and Big Blue View. That will do it for today. Until next time, keep it locked right here to Locked On Patriots and Locked On Titans. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.